Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Mickey Calloway has probably had happier birthdays. He turned 43. His team lost 4-2 despite out hitting the Phillies 11-8 on Sunday. The much-heralded road trip to the easy ballparks in which to hit home runs ended up yielding very little satisfaction. The Mets went 1-2 and two in Cincy, 1-1 one one in Philly. They're now heading home one game over 500. Want to talk it over? We'll start in 25 seconds. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's your Daily Mets podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Mets are doing. A disappointing and soggy Sunday on the road in Philly. This is Josh Lewin, and this is today's DMP for Monday, May the 14th. The first pinch hit home run allowed by the Mets all year was a big play of the Sunday affair. We'll get to that in short order. But the Mets also had some missed opportunities. In fact, right away when this game started, Aaron Nola against Jacob deGrom, number three and number four ERAs in the National League. A great battle. Brandon Nimmo bunted right off of the bag at third base to start the game as Drupal Cabrera followed with a line drive single. And you're thinking, all right, here go the Mets. But they could not score despite putting those first two men on base. They also had two on nobody out in the sixth. And that would come back to bite them as well when they could not score. But really, one of the big things of this ballgame was the bottom of the first inning. Also a scoreless inning, by the way. But check this out. Cesar Hernandez, a full count, walked. Aaron Altair, a full count, walked. Odubel Herrera, full count, walked. Now, keep in mind that Jacob deGrom hardly ever goes to full counts. 8% of the time this year has he done that. He did it to the first three batters of the game. He did strike out Reese Hoskins eventually, and then Carlos Santana tapped the ball back towards DeGrom. He made an acrobatic play to come home with it, a 1-2 fielder's choice. He struck out Michael Franco, again a full count, and that ended the inning. However, you talk about a taxing time. There were 20 foul balls hit in that inning, 20 of them. 45 pitches total in the inning, five full counts total out of six batters faced. Somehow nobody scored for the Philadelphia Phillies. You go back, and we did this courtesy of Stats, Inc. There is one guy that got to 50 pitches in one inning without giving up a run. That was Ken Patterson back in 1990. Earlier this year, in that uh, Brandon Belt epic at-bat that he had against the Angels, remember that 21-pitch at-bat that he had with 16 foul balls? The pitcher in that game was Jaime Barra of the Angels. That ended up being a 49-pitch first inning with nobody scoring. But then, near as we can figure, in the last 30 years or so, only Jacob deGrom now can come close to that. 45 pitches in the inning, and yet nobody scored. Kind of shades of Mike Pelfrey had that 51-pitch first inning against the Diamondbacks back in 2010. But even he had the good sense to allow four runs. Bartolo Colon, early in his career, I mean really early in his career, Rookie season, 1997, once had a 61-pitch 
first inning that he did not get out of. He gave up a few runs. So I guess he makes this uh, strange list where, where we talk about huge first innings. But for DeGrom, the remarkable thing, 45 pitches, nobody scored. And the Mets just decided, let's not tempt fate here. DeGrom coming off the DL, hasn't pitched in 11 days. Let's just shut him down. We've got rested guys in the bullpen. Let's just do it that way. So DeGrom, in his return, one inning, no hits, no runs, three walks, two strikeouts. One of the weirdest lines we've seen. And I guess giving Mickey Calloway as a birthday present one of those uh, never-ending gobstoppers that was all the rage in the, uh, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie, if I remember my Willy Wonka correctly. First inning took 41 minutes, top of the inning and bottom of the inning. Finally, we trudged along. Robert Gazelman came on to pitch innings two, three, and four and actually pitched very well. Fifth inning, well, also pitched very well by Paul Seawald. And the Mets actually got him a lead in the top of the sixth. Ioana Cespedes is playing with a bad quad. Doesn't look like he's running well at all, but he certainly can still hit. His eighth home run of the year was off of Aaron Nola in the top of the sixth inning. And Nola's not a guy who gives up very many. Just his third home run allowed all season. But two of those have been from Ioana Cespedes. And uh, the Mets now can look at Cespedes as a guy who was 6 of 14 lifetime against Aaron Nola with three home runs. But we mentioned earlier the Mets had a chance to run away at that point. They didn't. Gonzalez singled, Flores singled, but Conforto struck out, and Devin Mezzarocco hit into a double play. So the Mets had to settle for just being up one to nothing. And then Paul Seawald on to pitch a second inning, and he's on line for his first ever major league win, by the way, against then eight losses. He couldn't hold it. Carlos Santana almost took him deep. He at the top of the wall. I mean, the tippy top of the wall in right field. It stayed in the yard. Michael Franco flied out, but then Scott King rewalked. Jorge Alfaro struck out. That's the only time the Mets got Alfaro out all day. Nick Williams came up as a pinch hitter. And the Mets have done a really strong job this year against opposing pinch hitters. I know you're going to think that's a random stat, kind of like an opponent's free throw percentage or something like that. You're thinking that has nothing to do with how the Mets perform. It has to do with how the other guys perform. Well, I would submit to you that holding opponents pinch hitters to 6 for 53 is a function of good scouting and well-executed pitches. The decision that Mickey Calloway had to make was either go get Jerry Blevins left-handed to face the lefty pinch hitter Nick Williams or stick with Seawald, who has been much better against left-hand hitting this year. If the pitch was executed correctly, we're not having this conversation at all, but Seawald left a slider to the inside part of the plate and down. That's where Nick Williams likes it, and he slugged a three-run home run 400 feet. It's his second pinch hit home run of the year, and Nick Williams off the bench making it 3-1. to one. That was the first uh, hit that the Phillies have had all year against the Mets with a runner in scoring position. They have been 0 for 24, but Nick Williams pegged one out to make it a 3-1 to game and put Seawald on the hook for the loss, which he would ultimately absorb. The Mets came back in the top of the seventh inning, two out, nobody on. Nimmo, who's been the on-base machine, he got on base with a single to left. Cabrera then doubled him in. He almost took it out of the yard, but it hit about a, well, maybe halfway up on the wall. Mets couldn't do anything beyond that in the seventh inning. They settled for cutting it down to 3-2. to two. And even though they had a one-out base runner in the eighth, they had a two-out base runner in the ninth. That was Nimmo again, that walk and then sprint to first base. They could not score beyond that. They lose the game 4-2 to two as Edebry Ramos locks up his first-ever Major League save. Gabe Kapler was not going to go to Hector Neris again because he never does seem to get it done against the Mets. 
The Phillies improved to 23 and 16. They knocked the Mets down to 19 and 18. Mets still haven't won back-to-back games since the middle of April when they got out to that 11 and 1 start. April 12th and 13th they went back-to-back. They have not done it since. And the Mets now in this month of May, they have scored 3 runs or fewer 9 of the 11 ball games. That's a little bit startling too. 26 runs total for the Mets in their last 11 games. They're heading home now, as we'll discuss in just a moment, and uh, hopefully that will tilt things back their way. So a disappointing uh, afternoon, I guess you can say, for the Mets in many ways. We'll hear from Mickey Calloway in just a moment. And that's going to be brought to you by Ridgewood Savings Bank. At Ridgewood, you'll find the same time-saving online and mobile tools as the big banks, but with better service, fewer fees, and none of the runaround. Whether you want to manage your money from your phone or buy your first home, Ridgewood is ready to help you live a better financial lifestyle. Visit RidgewoodBank.com. Great people, great service. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Let's get to the birthday boy, Mickey Calloway. In that sixth inning, you had Blevins up in the pen. Why did you decide to stick with Seawald there? Well, once we got to two outs, you know, we needed Seawald to get through that inning um, just to make it through the rest of the game, really. Um, So, you know, it... You know, sometimes guys got to get outs. You know, when when your starter gets knocked out in the first, you know, some guys have to go, you know, multiple innings, and we needed him to do that. So you you say the two outs is why you decided to stick with Seawald there. But if there were, if yeah, there was I mean, one out, would you have kept loaded one out? We would have had to go. You right. know, if if it looked like Seawald was really struggling mm-hmm. to get through it, but uh, you know, just bad pitch. Backdoor slider, left it middle. So that's why you have Blevins up there, and that's right, why. right. In case things start going real haywire. If you had brought Blevins in and he'd gotten that out, then how does that change how you get through the rest of the game? Well, if he doesn't get the out, um, then we have to bring um, Ramos in. We have to double switch, so we're taking out one of our better hitters. Um, you know, in the sixth, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, if he gets the out. You know, nobody, you can't guarantee anybody's going to get the out. If Seawald got the out, we'd be sitting pretty. Take the ground and 45 pinches in that first. What was going on with him? Mm-hmm. You know, just a little rusty, I think. Uh, he wasn't getting the ball where he wanted to. He was yanking a few pitches. He wasn't his, you know, his normal fastball command. Um, he felt great. He felt fine. Um, you know, Dave and I talked about we just couldn't, we didn't feel good sending him back out. We can't do that to anybody. You know, that's a, that's a lot of pitches for one inning. Have you ever seen dry rule of the- if the starter throws X number of pitches in the first inning, that that's it. He's out, or is it more of a field thing? Or um, you know, that forty somethings, you're probably not going to go back out. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, if it takes you forty pitches, you're probably not going to be that effective that day. Um, you know, I've not, I don't think I've ever seen anybody throw forty something pitches and not give up a run. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a you know enigma. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you throw forty something, I, I think. Trevor Bauer, I've seen him throw 42 and go back out, but that's pretty tough. That's, that's, that's a lot to ask, especially what he was coming off of. Yeah, how much did him coming off the disabled list? Yeah, start playing I mean, that, that played into it as well. Was this routine disrupted by the rain delay? No, no, it was good. Yeah. Well, you guys, I'm sorry, you guys had advance warning. And- yeah, yeah, we had plenty, yeah. He had um, Aaron a little bit on the ropes in that first inning, and you couldn't get anything done. And then at that point, until the sixth, just tough off. Was it? Yeah, that's tough. You know, when you when you got their your best pitcher on the mound uh, who doesn't give up many runs, and you have them having that situation, you, you know, you need to scrape one or two by, and uh, we didn't. 
Mickey was familiar in the eighth there, just a usage thing, trying to get him in? Yeah, he pitched once in the last six or seven days, and, uh, you know, we have a day off tomorrow, so we wanted to make sure he just got got an inning in. If you had been able to tie or take the lead, would he have been good for a two-inning performance there? No, because we, uh, Ligaris hit um, in a spot, so we were going to go with Lugo. We had Lugo that uh, would throw. Mickey, how did you kind of, I guess, picture it out? Like when DeBron leaves, you know, you had innings, like versus you used a few guys tonight, maybe you had Ozil to cut, probably could have been. How did you piece together what you wanted? Yeah, well, we knew the two freshest guys were, were uh, Gaselman and Seawald. Um, you know, Lugo had just come off of a three, uh, three out of four and had one day off. So getting multiple two or three innings out of him wasn't going to be the case unless it was extra innings and we had just had to. So we knew right away that we needed to get, you know, five out of um, Gesellman and Seawald to, you know, get it to where we could have, you know, three pitchers um, to kind of go through the end. You know, we were thinking, you know, that would be a combination of um, Ramos, Blevins, um, Lugo for one inning, and then Familia. We just, we, you know, we came with one out of getting there. Seemed like Cespedes was really gutting out that quad today. How hard is it to do what he's doing and still play that full game? You know, he did a good job. I mean, when he had to run, he ran hard. When he went to get a ball in the corner, he ran hard. Um, you know, he hit a homer. You know, it's he's he's gutting it out for the team. On the Mickey. occasions when he does have to really turn it up there, running the first, running in for the catch, is there a moment where you hold your breath just to see how he pulls up after? Yeah, that? I mean, I think yeah, you do. I mean, just because of the situation. And how many? times did you have to check on him at some, maybe after those plays just make sure he's still no I mean we check on him multiple times uh, daily right now just to make sure he's he's in a good spot how are you going to gauge in a series when it's two games and one's a rain out kind of a car to gauge how this series yeah is yeah it was it was odd yeah you talk about the, the process of decisions pitching decisions things like that when as a human being when the decision doesn't work out does any part of you kind of like think about what what would have been if you had done this that Oh yeah, I mean you always go back and, and think about what have, what, what would have been. But uh, I mean, if you live your life with what would have been, you wouldn't be a very happy person. Um, you know, we, we we make the decisions we make and we move on. You generally feel like over this last week and a half or so, you've gotten your pitching back on track and that you're in a good. Oh spot. yeah, I mean we've pitched we've pitched really well last week or so. Um, you know, we're we're keeping us in the game. That's their job. You know, we had a chance to win tonight. We just didn't do it. You mentioned last week, I think, that you kind of have an offense built for home runs. How tough is it to string together a rally right now with the lineup, especially without Bruce and Frazier? No, that that is tough. I mean, today we had the base runners. We just didn't get them in. You know, um, I don't think our team's built for, um, you know, just putting together hit after hit after hit and, you know, going first to third and, and things like that. Um, you know, it is what it is. I think that uh, when the home runs start to come, that's when you're going to see the team we are. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, now if, if Paul Seawold hadn't been as good as he's been all year, that might have uh, swayed the decision a little bit. But it was really we had to get Blevins going, um, you know, in case we were in dire need and, and Paul looked like he was struggling. Um, you know, I didn't feel like that was the case. You know, the, the walk was was not a bad walk with the base open to, uh, you know, face the hitters that were coming up next. And, uh, you know, their, their pinch hitter came in and got the pitch he wanted. 
What made the Noah so tough after that first inning against you guys tonight? Oh, he's he's just a really good pitcher. Um, obviously, he was throwing his curveball um, for strikes early in the count. He was locating his pitches, and uh, you know he, he's a he's a pretty pretty good pitcher. All right, that's the skipper. And now, what's brewing for today? Brought to you by the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. They're making a big-time comeback later this year, returning to your neighborhood under new ownership, but still, as always, serving the finest premium coffees from around the world. Whatever your pleasure, they have got it for you, and soon there will be a location near you. Trust me when I tell you, you are going to love Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, so be on the lookout for them as soon as they get to your area in the tri-state area. Coming up this week, Toronto, Arizona, Miami all coming in. A 500 team, a first place team, and a last place team coming in that order. You can get your tickets at Mets.com slash tickets, and it's a very quick series for Toronto. They're going to play on Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon. Then the Diamondbacks in over the weekend. A.J. Pollock having a wonderful season so far, and those guys are absolutely deserving of a first place standing, which they've got in the NL West. Quick little... Is it primer or primer? I don't know what you guys say. I've heard it both ways. But just to preview Toronto. Uh, Remember late October 2015, the Mets had swept the Cubs in the NLCS. And the thought was, get your passports ready. Because what's coming up is going to be a World Series against the Blue Jays in just a few days. Instead, Kansas City had the magic, and the Mets and Blue Jays World Series never happened, which is kind of a shame. Because the Mets had way better pitching than Toronto, and I bet you they would have won that World Series. But... Anyway, as it stands, the Blue Jays have played just two games in Flushing in the last 17 years, both of them in 2015. An all-time in Queens, somehow the Blue Jays are 0-11. Seriously, swept three times in a three-game series at Shea, lost both the games at City Field. It'll be the return of the Grandy Man. Curtis Granderson's part of their outfield mix, although the Jays outfielder who's really having the best year is probably Kevin Pillar. He's got 17 doubles to lead the American League. So welcome, Toronto. And uh, it's funny to think about Toronto leaving Philadelphia now because obviously it wasn't all that long ago, now 25 years ago, where the, the Blue Jays and the Phillies played in a wonderful World Series. That was the Mitch Williams meltdown, bottom of the ninth, his team clinging to a 6-5 lead and could not hold it because of Joe Carter. We'll talk more about that on the podcast tomorrow. But anyway, it is Toronto coming in. And if you're looking to come in, if you're out of market, as they say, and you feel like joining the Mets in Flushing, actually, if you're going anywhere this week or next week or the following week, there's a one-stop app tailor-made for a last-minute trip or anything in the next uh, couple of months, really. It's called Hotel Tonight, and the Tonight part lets you know, yes, you can do it absolutely last minute. They partner with good to amazing hotels, never anything less than good, but usually really awesome places to help Good, solid hotels just get rid of their unsold rooms to people like us. That means we're going to get amazing deals at amazing prices. Very easy to do, literally 10 or 15 seconds. You just go three taps and a swipe and you're done. No long lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight just shows you the best deals at the best hotels, and we hope you will take them up on their service. Download the app today. Once again, the Sunday final, it was Philadelphia 4, the Mets 2. The Mets had been perfect against The Phillies this year, they're still perfect against the Marlins this year, but uh, Washington and Philly and obviously the Braves in division have given them a little bit of a problem. So we'll see what's up with Noah Syndergaard on the mound in the Tuesday game, the 2.91 career ERA, exact same as Jacob deGrom if you're scoring at home. Those two are tied 2.91 with Bob Gibson on the all-time list. Now, 
Bob Gibson actually went on to pitch about 4,000 innings in his career. If you combine Noah and Jake, they're at about 1,100, so still a lot of heavy lifting to do. But it will be the former Toronto Blue Jays prospect, Noah Syndergaard, pitching against his old organization, the well-traveled lefty Jaime Garcia, expected to be on the mound in a Tuesday night game. This has been the Daily Mets podcast. Hope you liked it. My name is Josh Lewin, and uh, you didn't really need to know that part. Just know that this is the Daily Mets podcast. It's available on iTunes. Tell your friends about it, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.